How many is happy in Jesus? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm grateful tonight for his word. I'm grateful for what he's doing in our midst. And I just, we were uh, on uh, in San Diego and something had taken place uh, just with someone in their family in the church. And I just broke away and just began to get away for just a little bit there and found me a picnic bench and just sat down and began to, to pray and seek the face of God. I didn't care who saw me, what people were riding on bicycles or talking and walking their dog. I didn't care. I thought, Lord, this is me and you. Amen. They're going to look at me and think he's crazy over there talking to himself. But I said, I don't care. I'm talking to my God. Amen. And, uh, but I'm just grateful for the Lord. He spoke something to me, and I want to do my very best to try to very quickly speak this to you tonight. And what a wonderful time we've had in worship. And we've had in the altar. And uh, anytime you see people, anytime getting in that altar, you know God's doing something. He's talking to us. And so I thank the Lord tonight. But uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, I want to read the first through the ninth verse. And uh, it says this, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him. He's talking about what he did to Saul, King Saul. And he said, It's not is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin and Zelzah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands, and after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. It's always wonderful to be in the enemy's camp. He's always, it seems to be in your camp. So ain't nothing wrong with being in the Philistines' camp. Amen. What do you, it doesn't mean you're joining with them. It means you're there and you're letting them know we're here. Amen. But he said, uh, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city that you shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. Shall be turned into another man. Don't forget that. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings seven days. Shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And as it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel the prophet, God gave him another heart. He made him another man, changed him into another man. And all those signs came to pass that day. 
Father, I thank you for the word and I pray as you've already brought the precious anointing in this house that you will anoint these lips of clay and you will equip me to preach and minister tonight the word of God and we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now I'm preaching this thought, as I said, turned into another man. That's what I've uh, entitled this. And in a moment, I'm going to go a little deeper uh, about the work of the Spirit of God in Saul's life and how it relates to us. But I want to tell you something that you must know. And what you must know is this. There is a battlefield for your soul. There is a battlefield for your mind, but there's a battlefield for your soul. And, um, you know, I remember being a kid and you would see the cartoons and you would see, uh, you know, there was... Uh, when somebody was make, needing to make a decision, a big decision, or a decision that involved uh, doing the right thing or the wrong thing, you would always see an angel on one side that was white and another, uh, you know, a devil with a pitchfork on the other side in red. And that was just simply typifying that there is a choice that you have to make, but there's also two influences that are trying to get you to go in their direction and and go in the way that they are trying to influence you and we saw that and it's so true God is trying to influence our choice and the devil is trying to influence our choice there's always this place of decision this valley of decision and everybody is brought there and I can tell you if you're really serving God you're brought there more than you even realize you're brought to that place am I going to follow God am I going to go down the path that's going to lead me to life and the way and the truth and the life and blessing and peace and joy am I going to am I going to do that or am I going to go down the other route and go down the path of darkness and of sorrow and pain and trouble and destruction and ultimately hell you know there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun we're to choose light over darkness, amen. We're to choose life over death. We're to choose blessing over cursing. Everybody's brought to a place of a choice and because it's a battlefield for our soul and it is God's desire to turn us, every one of us, into another man or another woman. I know that they're in the eyes of God, he sees us as a soul. You know, we're all sons of God, whether you're a female or not. And God's not got an issue with gender. He knows there's two biological genders here upon this earth, the way he created us. But he looks at each and every one of us as a soul. He looks at us as a person that he cares so much for and loves so much. But it's his desire to turn us into another person, into another man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God wants you to forget those old things forget that old man leave that old life and begin to pursue you know a new life in Christ Jesus as a new creature it's hard to believe that we could have ever done some of the things that we used to do but we did but thank God he's a God that forgets those things throws our sins as far as the east is from the west and throws them into the sea and he remembers them no more 
And he wants you and I to choose life. Choose to be a new creature in Christ. Choose the new man. Choose a new heart. Choose newness of life. God was interested in changing the direction of Saul's life here. He had no knowledge. Uh, uh, Saul didn't. King Saul, he wasn't king at that time until he was anointed by Samuel. So in this case, I guess he was in God's eyes. But he had no knowledge of what God had intended to do and that he was, he had no knowledge of the God of Israel. He was sent to find his father's donkeys. If you read that from the very beginning of chapter 9, you know that Saul began to set out to find his father's donkeys. And he took a servant with him at his father's request. And they went to go look for his father's donkeys. And his servant knew, because after several days of not being able to find those donkeys, amen, uh, his servant said, there's a prophet up here that'll tell us. And everything that he says comes to pass. He's a, he's a real prophet, amen. He's a real prophet. And his servant knew about Samuel, the prophet, and thank God for destiny helpers, amen? Thank God for destiny helpers that help us get to where God wants us to be. There have been many people that have speaking and spoken into my life, and as they spoke to me, I began to see God begin to bring me where he wanted me to be, and he will bring you where he wants you to be and where he's called you to be because he has a destiny helper that will lead you in that pathway, amen? And the greatest destiny helper is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, the Holy Spirit. But he's, you know, his chasing donkeys led him to God. It led him to where God wanted him to be. And the pursuit of life, the pursuits of life weary us to a cry for God. Saul did not know that God had a predestined plan for his life, but he was leading him to Samuel so that he could fulfill his destiny. You know, there's a lot of times where we're chasing donkeys around. We're chasing things around. We're pursuing things in life. But what we don't realize is that God has something else for us. And in the crosshair, He begins to bring us into our perfect destiny. Amen. Saul didn't realize that. He had a pre God had a predestined plan to turn him into another man. You know, a lot of times people, they say, you know, I know... Uh, the Lord had something in store for me. He had a ministry. I said, before he had a ministry, he had a life for you to live. Everybody always looks at what we're going to do for God, but what about who we become in God? He wanted to change your life. You know, some people get more caught up in the ministry of what they're supposed to do than the character and the life they're supposed to be. That's why you got preachers that will preach and they, they and I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that if you're going to step behind the pulpit, there's a specific life that you better live. You understand? Live a life of repentance. Live a life that's pure and righteous and holy. Amen. God's called us to that. He said, Bishop, preacher, be blameless. Amen. Be blameless. May have your house together. Have your children together. Don't be given to strong drink. Make sure that you separate your yourself and be blameless don't chase after money but just preach the word of God and do what you do for the Lord but there has to be a life first 
So that's not even on my notes, but I just want to say to you that God wanted to turn Saul into another man. He wanted to give him another heart. He wanted him to be anointed to be captain over God's inheritance, and he anointed him to do that. One thing I've learned after coming to Christ was all my pursuits, all the burdens, all the cares, and the stressful burdens went out of focus, and God's will, his destiny for me became my focus and became my defined, detailed focus. When I got born again, I had an epiphany. Something happened down deep in my heart. And so not only did God save me and deliver me and fill me with his love and show me his love, but he began to give my life, amen, meaning and purpose and value. And he brought me to a place where I realized that there was an epiphany. You know what? I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for God now. He turns us into another man with another destiny. Or better said, a correct destiny, an eternal destiny, a kingdom-minded destiny. Had somebody the other day, they said, oh, you got to be careful with all that kingdom preaching. I said, let me tell you something. We come into Christ, we're in the kingdom of God. I know it's his kingdom, he's the king. We are the, the, the part of that kingdom, the constituents, the people. Uh, the citizens of that kingdom. And, and he, he, I know his, he's going to set up his kingdom here upon this earth. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where he's going to rule and reign. Amen. There's going to be a thousand year millennial reign. I know that he is the king. I know that. But he's called us to go into all the world and see the advancement of the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. And I preached it. Brother Clendenin preached it. Everywhere in this world he only found two things. He found Coca-Cola and the devil. The only time any place there was Jesus is because somebody took him there and began to see the gospel preached where they went. And it changed everything. Amen. So he turns us into somebody that has an eternal destiny that we realize and a kingdom-minded destiny. How does a soul be turned into another man? When you're touched by the anointing. What is the anointing? It's the very Spirit of God. It's what you felt tonight. That's the anointing. It's the Holy Ghost that stirs and draws and woos and empowers. God dealt with you to come to the altar and and His anointing was fresh and drawing you. That same anointing will give you the power to see come to pass what you prayed about. If you're praying about backslidden children, God will give you the power in that prayer and answer it. If you're believing God for something in your own life to overcome something and break through in your life, the anointing will give you the power because it is what breaks every yoke. Do you hear me? The anointing is what breaks the yoke. How does a soul be turned into another man when touched by the anointing? The death yokes are broken off. Amen. The death yokes are 
are broken off. The yokes that the enemy tries to put on you are broken off. The yokes, the Lord's telling me to say this, the yokes of rebellion are broken off. Amen. The yokes of rebellion, the the yokes that say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the Word of God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the Word says. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want you to know when you come to Christ, you are, that yoke is broken off of you of rebellion and you began to obey God's voice. Doesn't matter what a YouTube preacher tells you. You go to the Word of God. If they're preaching the Word of God, then that's one thing. But I can tell you that everybody seems to be a prophet and a theologian on YouTube. You better just stick to the Word of God. Amen. Let God cause you to rightly divide the Word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed. And whatever God tells you in His Word, obey it. I got saved that taught me about giving. Oh, you think it was easy? It was hard. Everybody holds on to your wallet. But God said, I'm, I, I commanded it in my word. I commanded it in my word. It's all through the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Paul said, as God has prospered, you give. Under grace, you ought to give that much more. Being so thankful that God saved you, give so somebody else can get saved. Amen. Oh, mighty God. When God tells you to stop doing something, you don't rebel against Him and say, well, that's His opinion. No, it's not. It's God's opinion. Hallelujah. It's God's opinion. But the anointing, when you're touched, like Saul was touched by the anointing, death yokes are broken off, and rebellion is a death yoke. Life yokes are taken on. What? You just said he breaks every yoke. He breaks the death yoke. But there's a life yoke. Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy burden. I will give you rest. Amen. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now. You're either going to have God's yoke or the devil's going to yoke you up. But I don't want to be yoked up by the enemy. But the yoke that God says is easy. His burden is light. Amen. Oh, and I said, yoke me up, God. Amen. Because where he goes, I'm going to go. I'm not going to be led astray. I'm going to go wherever he goes. He said, turn here. I said, praise the Lord. Because before, everywhere the devil said to go, I went. Amen. Go down this road. Go do that. Go do that. Go there and take that drug or drink that drink or have sex with that person that's not your wife or your husband. Go steal that that you want to steal. Lie and do all those things. Everywhere the devil told you to go, you were yoked up with him. But Jesus broke that yoke at Calvary. The anointing breaks the yoke. You are going to be yoked either to the devil or you're going to yoke up with God. Amen. Come on now. Oh, I'm just getting started. (laughs) Hallelujah. What does this yoke mean? What does it entail? A life-serving God. These scriptures tell us, number one, Saul had a concern for his father's donkeys, but it was told him 
in the 10th chapter, down here, whew, I got to catch my breath. Amen. You folks better hope I never start running. You'll never be able to catch up with me. But he said, the first thing was in verse 2. He said, when you're departed, you're going to go down by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin. And those donkeys that you went out to seek, they're found. But the father that you left, the care, that left the care of those donkeys, he's sorrowing for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? You know, it was told him, your father is concerned about you. I'm talking about being turned into another man. When you're turned into another man, you realize the father that you have. That you never realized the depth of what you had. Amen. Hallelujah. I know some in here, you didn't have a good dad. You didn't have a dad that was serving God. You didn't have a dad that did what he was supposed to do. In fact, there's some that probably have fathers that did terrible things. But I want you to know that we have a father. And he's a good, good father. He'll be everything that you ever wanted in a father. Hallelujah. 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 The greatest dad upon earth can't compete with that heavenly father. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for that. We will know and understand the love and concern of the Father. The relationship is so defined and in focus when you're turned into another man or another woman in God. I'm talking about when Christ comes in, when God changes you, He anoints your mind. The devil is always stirring up questions about the love of the Father towards us. He's always saying, God doesn't love you. He, you you've committed too many things. He'll never forgive you. He's a liar. Do you know how you can tell the devil's lie and his lips are moving? Come on now. The Bible says in 1 John, the epistle, chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, God's saying, step back and take a look. <laughs> Amen. Step back and take a look. This is not some little fly-by-night scripture, but behold, step back. <laughs> behold, like when he said, behold the Lamb of God. Here comes Jesus. When he says, behold, Paul prays, my God, step back. God is saying, take a look here and realize what manner of love the Father hath bestowed Stowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. They don't understand why you do the things you do. Why would you go to church all the time? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? Because the Father loves me. And guess what, honey? I love him. When I got saved... For the first time in my life, I really felt the love of God. So powerful. I felt love like I'd never felt it before. And they said, we're going to have church tonight at 6, six o'clock. I didn't stay home and watch football. I wouldn't have anyway. <laughs> Had a man the other day, El Pollo Loco, he said... You look like a football player. I said, I've got that a lot. Amen. He said, who'd you play for? I said, only on God's team. Amen. I'm a lineman. I'm on the front line. 
Hallelujah. But they told me church is at six o'clock. Oh my goodness, I was in my car at 5.20. Only took 10 minutes to get there, but I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting for the pastor to get there. If I, if I can feel again what I felt this morning, I said, Lord, let me experience that again. I'm telling you, every time I've come to church, he meets me. Every time I go to prayer, he meets me. Praise God. You say, I go and I pray. I don't really feel a whole lot. Let me tell you, stay there a little while. <laughs> stay there a little while. Let the Holy Ghost begin to touch you, administer to you. You'll feel where the kiss of God begins to touch you. Amen. I got back to that church. We had church. Every time the doors were open, I was in the house of God. I was there Wednesday night. I was there whenever they had, you know, men's meeting. I, I tried to slip in where they had the women's meeting. I said, I just want to be wherever God is. They had a work day. Let's work. I'll paint. I'll clean the parking lot. I'll sell whatever at the garage sale at the church. Whatever you're doing, I want to be there because he touched me in such a powerful way. I know the love of the Father. And the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away and they don't understand why I feel the way I feel. But I love him. I love him. How about you? Come on now. But the devil is always stirring up questions about the Father's love towards us. And he said, how great is the love. A new man responds to God's love in obedience. Samuel told Saul, then thou shalt go forward. Too many Christians come to an altar. And then they stop. Monday morning. They're like, what do I do? Go forward. Move. Get up. Get in your word. Get in prayer. Seek the face of God. Go forward. Do something. Amen. Do something. Be, be, be proactive. Think about it. Be proactive. Where I live, I don't have a job. We'll go out and sweep the front porch. Clean the house. Amen. I got saved and I thought, you know, I got to clean up this car. Amen. It just looks horrible. This car looks horrible. Got McDonald's wrappers and everything else in here. Carl's Jr. was Hardee's and all this. Looking around, Dairy Queen, all this junk. And my car looks like a backslider's driving it because it was. But I got right with God and I said, Lord, I want to represent you. Well... <laughs> Somebody say, I've been waiting for him to say that. Samuel told Saul, Then thou shalt go forward and meet men with bread and wine that are going to Bethel. Now listen, the second thing that I want to bring to you is that to me, whenever he said that to him, let me get back here to where I was. When he said that to him, he said, You're going to run into some men. They're on their way to Bethel. Three men going up to God to Bethel. And he said, they got bread, they got wine, they got a sacrifice. They're going someplace. You know, sometimes things are caught more than taught. I pulled up to the church and heard my Sunday school teacher praying and crying out to God. And the Lord said, that's where it's at right there, son. 
That's where it's at, right there. You want to know why she walks in the anointing? That's it, right there. It doesn't come just because, you know, she gets up there and she looks spiritual. She spent some time and paid the price. She's got the goods. She's got the fire of the Holy Ghost. But here in the Word of God, he says, go forward. Samuel said, Saul, go forward. First of all, know that you've got a father that loves you. And, and that relationship has been restored, thank God, through Jesus. In the New Testament, we understand that. But he says, go forward. And he said, you're going to run into some men. They've got some bread, some wine, and a sacrifice. And, and I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm just going to, you know, surmise in what God spoke to me in my heart. That means that communion with the Son is important. We know that our love to the Father and our relationship to the Father is important, but communion with the Son is important. Jesus said, when you drink, eat this bread and you drink this wine or this cup, you're doing it in remembrance of my death. You're doing it in remembrance of the sacrifice. And I can tell you there's something powerful about the communion with God. Whenever you're going through something and you need a miracle, just steal away and have and take that communion. It's a meal that heals. It's a meal that touches. It's a meal that will stir you and encourage you and give you a confidence in the God you serve. He said they're going to give you something and they gave him bread. We get to partake of the body and the blood of Christ. We get the blessing and the promise and the benefits of Bethel. What's Bethel? Bethel's the house of God. Being in the presence of God. Paul said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He lives in you. That's why when you sin, you feel and it's got to the place now where it just seems like I can just open my mouth and the Holy Ghost says, stop, shut it. Come on, don't even act like you ain't done it too. You'll start to say something and the Holy Spirit will say, stop, walk it back. Because what you're getting ready to do is you're getting ready to say something that's going to cast a shadow negative over somebody. And I don't want you to tear them down. I want you to build them up. Come on. But Bethel is that place of the presence of God. It's being the temple of the Holy Ghost, the house of God, the place of prayer, the encounter with God. Abraham built an altar at Bethel. Uh, Jacob was at Bethel and he said, surely the presence of the Lord was here and I didn't even know it. But God showed him a vision of the, Jacob's ladder of, of, of how that one day Christ was going to come down and there was going to be this, you know, transacting of spiritual business between heaven and earth. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to do things down here upon this earth. And the prayer, if you think about it, Elijah went to Bethel. He knew about Bethel. David knew about Bethel. The Ark of the Covenant was at Bethel at, at, at a time in, in the Word of God. Prayer. 
prayer was a New Testament norm. Listen, I'm going somewhere. But a New Testament norm, we see this in the Word of God. I know there was prayer in the Old Testament, but the disciples, as you study how they walked with Jesus, they saw Jesus' prayer life. They noticed that they asked Him, teach us to pray like you're praying. Teach us how to pray. And, and He did. He, he taught them the dialogue of prayer and kind of the pattern of prayer. But you don't really see them praying heartily and fervently until you get into the book of Acts. That's just the word of God. Because they were turned into another man. And they begin to pray like they'd never prayed before. The book of Acts is, it, there's a central thread through that whole book about prayer. They prayed. They prayed for 10 days almost just to be receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So prayer was a New Testament norm. And I notice you don't, as I said, you don't read much about how the disciples prayed until after Pentecost. That the Holy Ghost opened their understanding and activated a power that was hardly known to them. But, but they began to know the power of God. And they became men and women of great prayer, effectual prayer, encounters with God. So, three things. First thing, and I'm going to recap it, is that Samuel said, Saul, you're going to go down. Somebody's going to meet you. They're going to tell you your father cares about you. The second thing is you're going to learn about communion. Everything points to Christ. You don't read about Father. That just come to me until the New Testament. You see, God understood and defined and described as our Heavenly Father. And that doesn't really happen until the New Testament. You don't see the communion until the New Testament. You see it. In, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, but now you see it where it comes down where each and every one of us can have communion with our, with our, with our Lord. And, and the power of God is, is, is activated and released. The third thing that happened was the Holy Spirit came upon him. Are you hearing me? There's a pattern here. He learned about worship. He learned about giftings. He learned about prophecy. And in verse 10, the Bible says, Then said Saul to his servant, I'm sorry, go over to chapter 10 here, verse 10. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. They were blown away that he was used to prophesy. I'm going to tell you, I absolutely believe in the gifting of prophecy. I believe if we'll fast and pray and seek the face of God, God will talk to us and he'll speak to us. We need the giftings and operation in the body of Christ. We need God to move among us. Amen. And I agree with that. I believe in that. And, but he learned how to worship. He learned about giftings and, and prophecy. And the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied also. When your Holy Ghost filled, a communer with God, settled about the Father's love, your whole life changes. It made Saul a leader. Chapter 11, he becomes a warrior. A king that is, is, is led by God who is over the inheritance of God. That's what Samuel said in the very first verse of chapter 10. And he fought in chapter 11, Nahash the Ammonite, and he won. Because there was an enemy that came up against Israel. And they said, 
we'll leave you alone if we can come and put out all of the men's right eye. Well, you cannot shoot a bow and arrow if you don't have that right eye. That's exactly what that leader of the Ammonites wanted, Nahash. But Saul said, you know what? Uh-uh. If we're going to get our eyes plucked out, we're going to fight doing it. Amen. God's going to do something through us. And he began to rally the people, rally the tribes. And they began to come together. And God began to give them a great victory. Amen. God is trying to raise up a mighty army. A generation who knows God. A generation who knows God. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not preaching I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching, I'm preaching to you. I'm speaking to you for God. God is trying to raise up you and me in this generation to be a generation that are mighty warriors for the Lord. To stand in adversity. To stand in the time of persecution. To stand when the enemy's telling you to buckle. Amen. To stand. And God's trying to raise up a mighty army, a generation that knows God for themselves. So my exhort is be who God destined you to be. Be the holy man of God and holy woman of God he called you to be publicly and privately. You don't have to tell everybody how holy you are. Just live it. Just come on now. You don't have to tell anybody how much you give, how much you pray, how perfect you are. Just live it. Amen. The anointing will be the evidence. He said what you do in secret, God will reward openly. Amen. That's the exhort God's speaking to us husbands. Oh, God told me to say this. Buckle up, man of God. Come on. Husbands. You are to be the priest that your wives need you to be. Amen. Every man in here ought to say amen. You are to be the priest of your household. God called you to be. The inheritance that Saul had was he was king over Israel. Well, guess what? You're king of that house. I know Jesus is king. I'm not saying he's not. He's the king. We have the father. We have God. But he's called you at a place of authority and a place of office as a priest in your household. And your wives and your children need you to be that man. And, And brothers, God's talking to you. That priest goes and he goes before the Lord. And then he comes back and he says, family, this is what God is saying. Amen. 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 He'll come back and he'll lay something on your heart and you'll begin to speak to those kids. You'll begin to speak to your wife. You'll begin to minister them encouragement. You'll begin to say things that God's speaking to you. And you know what? He'll talk to you too. Just remember, ladies, your husband has a head. He may be the priest of that household, but he has a head. And if he's being a knucklehead, then you can pray and ask his head to talk to him. Right, Tony? Amen. God will talk to you. He'll speak to you. He'll tell you things that you need to hear. So your wives need you to be the priest of your household. They're counting on you. They need leadership in their life. God didn't call a wife to drag around a priest. Come on. Come on. 
He called that man to be the priest in that household, to lead that family. Amen. And as you lead that family when they're older, you'll watch some kids, they'll grow up. Amen. They'll, they'll rise up and call you blessed. They'll rise up and call you blessed. They'll say, thank you for pouring into me, Dad. Thank you for living the life before me, Dad. I know you weren't perfect, but you went to your God and humbled yourself, and you showed me the reality of God, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you. Amen. You'll enjoy the wife of that youth. Praise God. Amen. Oh, I'm going to stay here for just a second. You'll say, you know what? We look good, don't we? Together. We, we, we just, we're growing older together, and we're not old. Amen. We're young. But we're enjoying life in Jesus. We thank the Lord. Amen. Ain't that right, Delia? She's saying, amen. You, can, you don't have to fight like two pit bulls at, in your older age. You can, you, can, you can serve God and you can enjoy that relationship with your wife and your husband. Be that priest, men. Amen. And wives, when he's that priest, come there and say, you know what? I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ. Praise the Lord. Brothers, I'm going to say something. I'm going to leave it, and we're going to go move on down the road. Give her a reason. I know the Bible says what it says, but give her a spiritual reason to come and say, you know what? I love you, and I see Christ in you, and I submit. Well, you're the leader of this house. Oh, there's some women in here. You're bristling right now, but I'm going to tell you. It's the Bible. I didn't write it. It's the Bible. He ain't being what he's supposed to be. Pray that God will get a hold of him. It, amen. You're a prayer warrior. There's nothing like a woman that prays. I'm going to tell you right now, ain't nothing like a woman that prays. Amen. Lorenzo's here tonight because Amber prayed for him. She sought the face of God for him. Praise God. And that man came in here and he brought his mama with him. Amen. And said, we're, and brought her husband. She, all of them came. And it wasn't long. Amen. Mama Andre, I remember. It may have been five years later, but she ran up to that car door. She said, Pastor, one day I'm going to be in that church. And she sits here today because as we serve God, the whole family comes into the house of God. Hallelujah. I'm moving on. I'm too excited. Oh, hallelujah. Listen. <laughs> be that example to your children. Be that priest to your wives that they need you to be. And though the devil's after your experience in God, he's after your faithfulness, your priority, your consecration, your commitment to God. Many in Joshua's day had abandoned the God who brought them out of Egypt. And Joshua said, it may have been a while since we crossed that Red Sea, but let me tell you something. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You may not want to serve God and you may want to go and serve pagan gods, but I remember coming across that Red Sea. I remember going through that wilderness. I remember coming through that Jordan and the same God that was with Moses is the same God that's with us. He said, Moses, my servant is dead, but he said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Amen. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever.
So as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So when he comes knocking, tell him I'm not buying today or any other day. Hallelujah. Many have turned into another man, which God did not call them to be. I'm just going to say this briefly, and then we're going to close. Paul said, Demas forsook me. He was walking with me. He was somebody that Paul was so moved that he walked away. He said, he forsook me for this present world. Because, see, you can be serving God, and he's turned you into another man. But you can go back to that old man. I've seen people walk away from God, go back to drugs, go back to drinking, go back to carousing around, going back to that old life. And guess what? They're seven times worse than they were. They're worse. They're worse. Don't be the worst man. Amen. Be the man God called you to be. That other man, another man. Paul told the Galatians, he said, you did run well. Don't be entangled again with the bondage and the yoke of bondage. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in the devil's web that he wants to spin around you and keep you restricted. But be the man that God's called you to be. Strive for the Lord. God's word to us is this. In Revelation 3.11, and I close with this. Oh, hallelujah. Revelation 3.11. He said, behold, and this is God's word to us. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast. Hold that fast. Or hold on to it. Stay the course. Don't draw back. But hold that fast, which thou hast, that no man, Takes your crown. That crown is worth receiving in glory. If all you're worried about is just getting there, I want you to know something. There are rewards in heaven. I want a reward. I want a soul winner's crown. Amen. I want a crown for those that overcame temptation. It's in James. I want that crown. So hold that fast and let no man take your crown. Saul, through disobedience, became a spiritual tragedy later in his life, a calamity of his own demise. Let us live our lives in the spirit that the only way we keep the mind of God, a peaceful mind, a pure mind, a sound mind, a powerful mind, a mind of love, a sound mind, is because we're in Christ. He said, God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, Timothy. Because I can tell you everything in this modern age wants you to be afraid. Oh, you can watch a few videos on YouTube, and I can tell you, you'll be scared to death. The sky is falling, chicken little. They told me gold is going to go to $10,000. Never happened. Yet. I'm not saying that it won't. I'm just saying that it hasn't. They say it's, everything's going to tank tomorrow. You know, they were saying that. And I'm not saying that things aren't going to happen and change. I realize what we're seeing and what we're going through. But the Lord said, this world is not your home. It's not your home. 
It's not your home. You're not going to take your house with you. You're not going to take your car with you. You're not going to be able to grab your money and take it with you when you go. You came into this world naked. You're leaving naked. Amen. We stand before God. The only thing you're going to have on is a robe of righteousness. If you're in Christ. But if you're not in Christ, he said in the word of God, he said, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that watcheth and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. I don't want to be naked. I want to be clothed in the robe of righteousness. Put it on, church. This is your opportunity tonight. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Jesus. Oh, Father, tonight, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that as we come to a close, if there's somebody here, Lord, that doesn't know you or is not where they need to be, God, that you would just deal with their heart, that you would minister to them, each and every one. God, that lives would be ministered to tonight. If there's somebody here, Lord, draw by your spirit, that they would become the man and woman of God you've called them to become. Only you can do it by your spirit and by your anointing tonight, Lord.